Hey, Husky fans, welcome back to Fourth and Inches, a Husky podcast. My name is Trevor Mueller. With me is a whole host of really talented people that make noise out of their mouths. Jake Grant, Coach V, UW, and Kayla Olin. Washington really shook off just all of the rust, all of the bad vibes, all of the miscommunication, all of the sickness, and went out and just executed, especially on offense, made the plays they needed to on defense to come out with a 52-42 victory over USC not necessarily ending USC's career just or season just yet, but very close. Uh, let's go around the room. How did that feel, Jake? So to put this in a nutshell, right? I want to talk about our friendship. Um, we're <laughs> completely polarizing figures, right? You are the glass half empty. You're you know half full. You're mostly full. You're fully full. Your glass. I'm a. I am an optimist. And I am the exact opposite, right? And. And when we beat Oregon, you and me were together and, and Harry got off of your shoulder for five seconds and he hopped onto mine and he was like, you better start believing bitch. Yeah. And I started to, I heard him and then. Yeah. And Trevor was there and Harry has a magic way of working. Right. And so then I watched this USC game and my poor wife, she's, she's, She's she's so nervous. She's folding laundry while we're watching the game. She can't sit still. She has to fold laundry. I'm panicking. I'm throwing my hat. I'm pulling a typical Jake move. The Huskies beat Sparty in Sparty. And Harry the Husky has transformed into this life-size figure. And, and this Jake has reached the pinnacle of glasses full. I have bought into this team and I fully believe that we're going undefeated this season, at least past conference championship. And that's a hot Jake. That I, I have been thinking about this since the, the moment the game ended. I cannot be so as excited as I am right now. This is the most excited I've been when it comes to a sports team in a long damn time. Dude, we're built for this. Leah, go <laughs> ahead. Yeah. Um, a lot of people in my life don't like to be around me when the Huskies are doing anything less than excelling. Um, <laughs> my immediate family, my boyfriend, my daughter, uh, pretty much anyone, if like the Huskies are doing anything but excelling and dominating, I am not a pleasant person to be around. And yeah, it really, I, I wasn't sure about it until we got that stop in the late fourth quarter. And then we went down and took care of our business. And Dylan Johnson just did Dylan Johnson type things. Give that man the national offensive player of the week award, because that is his award. This was like one B for my favorite game of the season. Obviously Oregon's one a, but going into the Coliseum and just absolutely taking care of your business and treating it like the business trip that it is and not getting phased by the things that happened in the, in the ball game, including getting one of our offensive linemen's uh, helmet pulled off and then having him get a penalty for continuing the block, just, just wild and things right now, but we still won. We did not let it phase us and we're nine and oh, we're nine and oh for the first time in, I don't even know how long Trevor, you can check the stats on that, but I'm really excited. Um, this is one of my favorite weeks of the year and it's the, it's the time of the year we get to beat up on our cute little jealous, jello salad eating friends. And I'm excited about that. We're going to go 10 and oh after this week. Yeah, and two things before we move on. Just like you're saying, the 1A and 1B. This was definitely uh, my second favorite game. The Oregon game was absolutely my favorite. And I called Jake afterwards and told him, like, the Oregon game, especially winning that game, was by far the most fun game I've ever been to. And I don't need to go to it again. I like comfortable <laughs> wins. 
I felt pretty good about this game. Kayla, how are you doing? Oh, and Leah, I, apparently my gif of you say, telling you to chill went through a lot of times I was on my family's farm. I get terrible reception. I meant to send it once. I don't know how many times it came through on yours. That's okay. You know what? If it came through 20 times, I needed to hear it 30. So. <laughs> <laughs> that was the 5G gods doing their work, huh? Kayla, okay. what do you think? It was one of the most nerve wracking games. I think pretty much up there with Oregon. I think because coming into this last stretch of the hardest part of the Husky season, it was, again, I think probably more nerve wracking than Oregon, just because Oregon, Oregon is a good team. And the fact that USC has such a bad defense and Washington let them stay in it was bad because then it's just, you. Uh, will we actually have a rusher rush for 250 plus yards and still lose? And I think that was going to be more frustrating than I think losing to Oregon. And so the nerves didn't stop. It was so fun to watch. But at the end of the day, the emotions, I was almost crying watching ZTF after his sack fumble. So there was a lot of emotions in that game. And I love Jake being on the, we're going to go undefeated. However, I'm nervous because we saw what this team looked like after an Oregon hangover and that kind of an emotional win. So it makes me nervous for these next few weeks, especially a pissed off Oregon state and Wazoo. So there there's a lot I feel about this game and I'm still nervous after it. Coach. It's not often in my lifetime that we've gone down to the Coliseum and, and, and done that. So always appreciative when we can win against USC at any point, but also in LA, um, it's it's such a wild game. I, I can't remember what my score prediction was last time we talked, but it was something like fifty something to yeah. It was it was a close score. Um, the the thing is when you when you rush for two hundred and fifty yards or whatever, close to three hundred, um, you think you're controlling the clock and you think that you're keeping the other team off the field. But these are just chunk play after chunk play after long run after long run, short drives, punched in by Dylan Johnson and. Uh, we kept giving the ball back to USC and the, you know, I think what I said last week that, uh, that RPO triple option play they run is so hard to stop. And they got us on that a bunch and we didn't tackle very well. So I'm going to give the defense a pass because, you know, that's a really tough offense to, to handle. And the proof is going to be, you know, the next opponent, Utah. Um, and we'll get into that, but I'm just excited. I woke up nine and zero, and it's funny. Like these last several weeks, I, I wake up in the morning. I'm like, I don't even care if the Seahawks win. Yep. Uh, and, you know, and we're, I'm I'm with a friend, and we're watching at a, at a Seahawks themed bar down in Gilbert here, and we're getting our butts kicked. And I'm like, at least the Seahawks, at least the Huskies won last night. And I can't really be in that mood. So nine and zero, it doesn't happen very often. You got to treasure it and just you know focus on Utah because it's despite the fact that they're not super elite utah and they don't have cam rising and all that they still they're still physical and they're still fundamentally sound and they can come into husky stadium and, and catch you slipping so it's time to focus on that yeah and i kind of want to talk about the defense for a little bit because the fact is they were getting to caleb williams there was two offenses on the field obviously washington's was a very sustainable looking system where there was a very good balance of pass and run. Michael Penix wasn't forcing the ball. He was 
excellent all game. And then on the other side, you have Caleb Williams, the odds on favorite will most likely be the first pick overall in this year's draft or next year's draft. Whenever he decides to come out, um, it looked unstain uh, unsustainable because of the way that they were having, he was having to run for his life. He was having to break tackles. We almost had him to the ground multiple times and he was able to make hero esque throws um and you know juke jacob bandis so like i just i think i've been kind of defensive about the defense of course they weren't very they didn't look elite against usc usc is one of the best offenses in the nation but in two fourth quarter games against oregon and usc they've given up seven total points and they won both of those games. So this defense does exactly what they need to do. And Kayla, great point about ZTF getting that fumble. Amazing fumble. Really, after that play, I, I felt so good because Washington then could be in control of who was going ahead and who was having to chase. And I felt like that was so important in a game where we have two explosive offenses. Uh, anybody like to comment on that? Yeah, I, I, I'm really glad that you brought that up because there was a moment, I think it was late in the third quarter, maybe the start of the fourth quarter when they showed Caleb Williams after a drive. Oh, yeah. And he looked exhausted. I yeah. mean, mouth breathing, looking like me out there, yeah. just sweaty and mouth breathing. Jake around a nacho yeah, bar. It's not a great look. When I saw that, Caleb Williams, that was the first time I think I'd ever seen him gassed like that yeah. in the middle of a game and it it proved to me that UW's defense was on the verge of stopping USC's offense and it was at that moment in that game that I knew that Washington's defense was going to hold up late in that game because Caleb Williams outside of Caleb Williams USC's offense there was nothing and and it was dependent on Caleb Williams making spectacular play after spectacular play so when I seen him gassed, I knew that Washington's defense was on the verge of a of a breakthrough. Kind of going off of that, I felt like we were so close to getting to Caleb so often in the first half. And I, I remember thinking out loud, we're going to get something here. We're going to get a sack or we're going to get something special because we keep almost getting him down. And sure enough, that strip happened and ZTF got to have that moment. And then not only that, we were able to take that and then punch it in because just as important as getting the turnover is capitalizing on the mistake. Yeah. That moment, I going back to Jake saying that, you know, Caleb Williams looked gassed. I looked at T and I was like, this is going to be a boxing match and it's going to go all 12 rounds and it's just going to be punch exchanged after punch exchange. And it's going to be the last person with the ball. And luckily, Washington made it a two-score game so that it didn't have to come down to that. But we had seen USC, you know, go toe-to-toe with Arizona and it come down to they've they gone toe-to-toe with Cal. And so it was not one that I was wanting to go into OT with. Mm-mm. How cool was it that the sack that brought them out of field goal range was Voitanufi and Maurice Himes? Like, that was awesome. But also aided by the fact that Zion looped inside and yep. created some pressure and kind of made it, he didn't give Caleb a lane to run and uh, you know, this kind of tag team bit, and that was that was beautiful. I will say this after, um, because I, I felt like all game long that USC never stopped us once, it was just we made a mistake or mm-hmm. we had an issue, it wasn't you know, 
And we talk about, you know, all the rushing yards. I thought USC's game plan was absolute garbage. They kept trying to show blitz and then back out and then would leave the middle of the field wide open. You saw it on the screens with Roma Dunze at the middle screen. But you saw Dylan Johnson, you know, on the outside run, pin and pull, turn up field, and no one's there to set the edge for USC. And I just felt like we could score at any point in the game like we wanted to. And when it was 42 all and we stalled and had to kick the field goal, my buddy texted me and he goes, ball game, we just lost. And I said, that's USC is not going to score another point. It's time. That's the winning score right there. And he laughed and he laughed. Well, we're the only ones to score the rest of the game. So I felt pretty good about it. I, 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 you mentioned Roma Dunze and it kind of took my, my brain somewhere. If I have to hear Kirk Herbstreet call Roma Dunze a Donze or anything <laughs> less than Roma Dunze one more time. I'm going to, I'm going to freak out. That's the second game that you've done this year. And, and I'm tired of, of seeing it. Uh, it's almost as bad as one of the local reporters calling him a Dunze still. Who does that Trev? I, that do your homework. Okay. Got it. Oh, ouch i i don't want to malign i don't want to malign somebody that covers the huskies on the podcast. i think it's i think it's just really funny that trevor mueller is like making fun of somebody who can't pronounce names Gee, i think that's a roma dunze <laughs> oh, zion, 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 zion i can do it now Nope. Fatui. I can Tupola do it. ETF has been in this program for ages <laughs> and we're still struggling. That's okay because it's not Dunsey. It's not a Dunsey, okay? <laughs> yeah. You sound like a drunk baby when you start to say that. <laughs> I love it so much. My favorite was listening to Trevor do um, recruiting updates and whenever we would get just like a big old batch of Polynesian commits and he'd be like... <laughs> Yeah. When Boy Tanufi committed, that was a goodie. You, no, should... you know who got me was Kwape Hopa. I could not say his first name. And then I had somebody text me, how do you pronounce Kwao? And so I just wrote his name back and sent it to him. <laughs> the thing is, is Trevor's so much smarter than me, but he hasn't figured out not to say these guys' names. I just <laughs> say their name and it you is the most no teacher idea. thing, though. Because it is the most teacher thing. If you're a teacher, you have to butcher kids' names. Confidence is key. <laughs> Confidence and belief, yeah. belief in yourself yeah. and optimism. It, it, at the beginning of the year, I say the kid's name. If they correct me, I say, no, you're saying it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and, and by, by October, I've just brainwashed them. So they go home and the parents are like, they're saying his name. He's saying his own name wrong. I'm like, is he though? <laughs> it's like the Key and Peel AA Ron, but it's Zitufa. Yeah. Did they also get rid of all the organ gear in their in their uh, closet? Because if so, then I've done my job. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Coach, tell me what Washington did differently this week th as opposed to the two weeks prior. Uh, they weren't puking in a trash can during the game. Was it that simple? Uh, yeah. Um, a lot of guys, you know, you know, when, when a lot of guys are sick during the week, you know, it affects practices. It affects the reps on the on the field. Um, they just, you know, you're not hundred percent. You can't put everything into it. And honestly, we were complaining about the Stanford game. They still rolled over 40 points in that game. And, right. you know, the defense obviously 
struggle to tackle, you know, their quarterback who is all world. He's, he's definitely the next Caleb Williams. I'm, I'm being sarcastic. <laughs> um, this week though, you know, it's kind of like, well, you played USC's defense and they just fired, they just fired Grinch today, obviously, but our offense, when they're clicking, who's going to stop them? Georgia. I don't know. Like Florida state, Michigan, uh, nobody in our conference can stop our offense. If we don't stop ourselves. And the Oregon game was was case in point, 11-point lead, kind of messed around. You know, Penix got, you know, took a shot and was cramping up. And, and, you know, we always have these weird excuses why we don't put 60 on somebody. But if we do what we do, there are always going to be guys open. There are always going to be players with mismatches. And it's up to Michael and the offensive line, first of all, to give him time, and second, to just find the right guys. We have NFL talent all over the field and a system that is 100% sustainable and, and dynamic. And uh, obviously coaches that know how to exploit your weakness. And we were fit. We were six inches of a fingertip away from going up 14. And that was a fantastic play by that. Uh, I think he was a linebacker. Yeah. 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 With getting the ball in the second half too. Yep. I made a point on uh, we we did like an informal Twitter spaces last night, and I said we always talk about batted ball luck in baseball with the Mariners, and like well they're hitting the ball hard, but it's right at people. It seems like every time we have a tip ball on offense, it goes to the other team. Yeah. It doesn't fall mm-hmm. harmlessly to the turf. Just some guy makes a miraculous diving save. You know the play last year that I'll never forget is I'm sitting in the end zone at, in Tempe, and Mike throws a ball and it hits somebody in the helmet and goes back for a pick yep. six. Yeah, like we just seem to have the weirdest. Like, as soon as the ball is the tip drill, is not our friend, except <laughs> against Michigan State. Well, Michigan State, they can't help themselves. <laughs> Michigan State is like, and they beat the Cornhuskers this weekend for their third win mm-hmm. on the season. So, congratulations to Sparty on that. Does that make them Michigan's best win? Oh. <laughs> Just saying, Jay. We're we're gonna get to some hot CFP talk at the end of the podcast. Let's okay, but it we'll get there. there. Yeah, we'll get there. I love it. Um, let's talk about this defense. It felt like they were getting to the quarterback often. Caleb Williams is so slippery, so strong, uh, and is just so good at improvising. Everybody is comparing him to. Patrick Mahomes. Hmm. Do you, I, I, I didn't know if I believed it. And then I watched him for full 60 minutes uninterrupted. And, and I kind of agree with it. Do you, what, how, how do you guys feel the defense did against the best player? And, you know, the, the number one prospect in college football. I, uh, the, I feel I, I was torn. I, I, I agree that the defense did get to the quarterback, we didn't get home all the time. For some reason, we can't seem to finish those sacks. Um, I'm I'm so glad ZTF did with that strip fumble. That was a, a, was an absolute game changer when that happened. But I could count probably three or four more that probably should have been home. Um, the the one thing that uh, you mentioned Jacob Bandis earlier. Anybody that thinks that Jacob Bandis should have made that play out in the open is absolutely out of 100%. their mind. That is, that is a, that is a big boy chasing that, down one of the 
best I athlete. loved the and, hustle. And even seeing him hustle down the sideline was incredible. Yep. The linebacking play, I thought, during this game was a little suspect. Um, for the first time uh, in a long time, I was not a huge fan of the way that Edifon um, took routes to the ball carrier. And that might have something to do with the fact that Caleb Williams is just that elusive. Um, it seemed like he was taking bad routes to the ball, especially going from sideline to sideline. It seemed like he was always behind Caleb Williams when Caleb took off out of the pocket. Um, but outside of that, I mean, it, it almost seemed like they were tempting Caleb Williams to run with the soft, soft um, coverage on the outsides and then the linebackers just constantly being 10 yards back. I think that they knew that they just needed those couple of stops when it came to USC's offense because they knew that this offense was going to do the amount of scoring that they were going to do going into this game. So it was just get those few necessary stops that's needed to win the ball game and get out of SC with a win. You didn't need to go in there. You didn't need to do anything spectacular. You just needed to get out of there with a win. And I think that's exactly what the defense did. Yeah, I think that... I mean, the defense played a decent game. The biggest issue that I've seen is the missed tackles and not wrapping up. It kind of reminds me a little bit more of like preventative defense instead of playing defense to get stops. And I think also as well, I mean, you look at what they did and you still have to give them credit. They adjusted for playing Caleb Williams and their first downs by passing only one after on a third down on a third down not in general but just on a third down and then you allow three first downs by rushing so the defense definitely made them use their legs a lot more which I think was huge especially against a Caleb Williams type arm it's just Caleb Williams is elusive and there's not a lot you can do about it but they kept the defense I think shot them in the foot allowing more room and not getting much help I think I think it was kind of more of everyone trying to do their job individually and less of kind of, you know, let me just do some team effort here. But if there's a missed tackle, then it's going for another extra 10 yards. I don't know if that made much sense, but the bummer part about it for me is I I don't want to I don't want to beat down the linebacker group because I feel like they've been really, really solid for a really long time. But if you look at the the top two, three tacklers on this team, it's it's Dom Hampton, it's Thaddeus Dixon, it's Mish Powell. You're looking, Carson Bruner is your leading tackler and linebackers with five. And then you're looking at Raylan Goforth. Uh, Tupatala's got three. Goforth has two. And Eddie Ulufusio has two. And for a linebacking core, that's not great numbers when it comes to a team that rushes the heck out of the football um, I'd like to see all of them around the seven, eight tackle mark. Uh, and, and it's easy for me to say as far as a broad or, you know, as far as a podcaster goes, I, I don't want to sit here and I don't want to say that they played like dog crap all game. Cause I don't think they did. I think that they schemed up good pressures, but I just don't think that sideline to sideline uh, route, you know, chasing the ball carrier down was all that good this game. I agree with you a thousand percent. And this is probably a question for all of you, but Jake, I don't know if you want to answer it first since you touched on it, but are we, aside from the linebackers being a little bit more kind of thin in terms of the depth, but are you more 
are we more hard as Washington fans because we do have Eddie and we do have ZTF and they're not producing the numbers that are quote unquote expected out of them? I would say we're probably hard on them because we have the last 10 years as recent history of what our middle linebackers have done in this program. Um, we're looking at uh, a 2023 UW football team that's being completely um, carried by an offense with defense as its kind of secondary piece versus if we want to look at the, the Browning's, what was that, his sophomore year? 2016? 16? Um, that defense was, in my opinion, was the main contributing reason as to why that team was so good. And that linebacking core was incredible. And we've seen that all the way up until Eddie's probably freshman, sophomore year since he's played linebacker. It's just been a constant of great linebacking play coming out through this program. And so to see it not be that is a little bit shocking to fans. I think the linebackers, I, I while I think you're right that they did miss some plays. I thought Raylan Goforth was pretty good in coverage, especially in the end of the game. He made, he was there on some plays. Uh, Carson had a sack and he got, he slithered out of it. But I think overall, even in those tough games where the defense has given up stuff, I really don't see it as an issue with the linebackers as much as it is with uh, some of the moving pieces in the secondary. Go ahead, coach. Well, um, just kind of take it back to the beginning. I thought that was our, our our linebackers worst game of the season. 100%. And, and it, but it, the contributing factor is the USC offense and the way that Caleb can hurt you outside the pocket. My biggest complaint all night long was that, um, we weren't doing a good enough job of containing. We were letting him, you know, we, one guy would come off with, you know, Trice would come off the edge with pressure, but he would escape the other side. We weren't setting the edge. We weren't containing. We weren't, you know, sometimes you just got to mush rush and keep them in the pocket. Um, early on, I felt like guys were were diving for tackles instead of just, you know, squaring up and, and making the play. They were trying to make the big play, get a, you know, a, a one-yard gain, a, a tackle for loss, and, and next thing you know, the guys down the sidelines. I think there was a lot of nerves involved. Um, I will say this, though. I wanted to see Raylan Goforth play a heck of a lot more than he did last night. And not only do I think that he's just an athletic guy and he's a hard hitter and, and he could make a difference, but he practiced against that offense all of last year, every single day. Yeah. He wasn't a scout team player. He was going against the ones. So if anybody had an intimate knowledge of what Caleb was going to do in the pocket or when he was going to break the pocket or, or, or all of that, I feel like Raylan was, was kind of qualified to be that guy. Eddie struggled, you know, I saw a couple of times where USC was doing a really good job of mixing up their, you know, the outside stuff, Caleb breaking the pocket, the RPO triple option stuff. And then they would just hit you up the middle with Austin Jones. And they were guessing I mean, that's the best way I can come up with it. Eddie would jump outside and then the Brum would come up the middle. Um, it was sort of like they were reduced to a guessing game. I wasn't too worried about it because it's such a, it's such a one-off, you know, we're not going to see Caleb hopefully again, <laughs> and we're not going to see that offense again. So uh, my biggest thing is let's see what they look like next week. I think they will be a little bit more in their comfort zone playing Utah inside the box for the most part. When did you guys feel comfortable? Jake, when were you, when I, were you? I, already, I feel like I already answered that question. As soon as, as soon as, as soon as they panned to Caleb Williams and he's gassed. 
is is that was the moment in the game that for me it kind of switched from throwing my hat and That's and cool. and being overly aggressive to sitting in my chair and and maybe not knowing that we had the game won but my my demeanor completely flipped to I feel good about this game when Voy got the sack for me it was over mm. same it felt mostly over after that but Obviously, that run of Dylan's that really seemed like, okay, there's no possible way we're going to go down the field and not score. Then it seemed really over. Yeah, the moment the, the moment you had to know the game was over was when Washington went up two scores, right. knowing knowing that if, if, if USC didn't get a touchdown and onside, there was no stopping Washington from then on out. And, and going up two scores was insurmountable you can ask my dad it was after the strip of caleb williams in this in the second quarter i i knew really i know but i and i already said it it's when usc had to chase points on washington i knew the game was over and you can ask him and then i got all of leah's panic texts um (laughs) but i'm telling you I felt as soon with the way that the offense was playing, as soon as they were the ones that were ahead and USC was trailing and they would tie the game, I knew that Washington was going to win. Even Um, an interception in the red zone? Yeah, they were still up. They were still up seven. Yeah. It didn't matter. They were still – all they could do was tie Washington. Even with the field Unless they went for two, but – Well, they're not Dan Lannings. Um (laughs) – the you know the thing is is like even when they kicked the field goal then it would be more of a back and forth but i still felt so good about this offense that they would they would milk the clock they would do what they needed to do or score really fast apparently cuz no you know nobody stops the run that they would be able to scheme it out where they would have the ball at the end of the game to win and uh, alex grinch is going to be watching football like we do next Saturday because he's bad at defense. So I didn't, I felt good. Let's go around. There are a lot of players to highlight. So I think with five of us on here, I think it would be appropriate for each of us to pick one on each side of the ball. Uh, Let's start on the offense and uh, uh, Leo, why don't you take it away? I feel like this is kind of cheating to go first on this. Can we but, can we just can we just all acknowledge that Dylan Johnson's the offensive player yes. and pick somebody other than Dylan Johnson? hundred okay. percent. Okay. This is a Fair. Dylan Johnson appreciation podcast. It really is. Yeah. If, any, other if anybody steals mine, I'm quitting. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of want coach to go last to see if it happens. I know, right? I am going to not call out any one individual player, but I'm gonna call out my love group, the offensive line. Mm. Last night is not possible without those dudes. They played their absolute tails off. Shouts to them because we have been wanting to see a really fantastic running game. And Dylan Johnson is only Dylan Johnson last night because of his offensive line. And he even said that in his interviews. So th- that's that's my co- you know, uh, group offensive player of the game. How scary is Julius Buelo <laughs> when he's coming around the edge of when he's pulling? That dude is a mammoth. He's a truck. Yeah, go ahead, Jake. Oh, well, she's got a defensive player to pick too, doesn't she? We'll go to defense after this. We're we're still oh, okay. okay. Michael Penix had a second Heisman moment, and and it's all because 
of Devin Colt. Let's freaking yeah. go, Jake. Jake, you don't sit on Sundays anymore. You can't take my player. <laughs> like, <laughs> you are a guest here. Uh, you know what? I'm sorry, but I'm doing it anyway. Uh, he made one of the more spectacular catches I've seen on one of the more spectacular throws I've seen. And uh, shout out Devin Culp. That was absolutely gigantic. You're a dog. Yes. Kayla. Cool. 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 Um, well, there's that. <laughs> cool. 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 Um, okay. Well, that sucks. Um, I'll probably go. Jeremy. Bernard, he had some great job blocking some people there, oh, as yeah. we've all seen. So, and he didn't even move. That that child is built for sure. Um, on top of that, he had a hundred percent completion rate. Doesn't matter too much. I mean, it was one target. It was for fourteen yards, but it was when it really yeah. mattered. Um, on top of yards after catch, you always have to praise that. But then he also can run the ball. He had one attempt for 15 yards. So he was getting it done. He was acting as a threat without making the kind of plays that Jake stole from me. But mm-hmm. it was still players get it done when it matters most. And that's what Jeremy did yesterday. So. All right. So mine is Tybo Rogers. And there was a situation after. Put your thumb down, Jake. You mean (laughs) that you would have said it. Uh, After the play where uh, the the 53-yard run to set up Washington to go up 10, they brought in Tybo, and he was effective in pass pro all game. But in that situation, hold on, buddy. I'm talking talking to my friends. Um, I'm speaking to America. I'm speaking I'm to, talking America. to America right now. <laughs> so, um, but they were, they continued to stay on the ground. And I told my dad, I don't love a true freshman in this situation. And then he took a, uh, took one up the middle for about seven yards to get it down to the goal line. And I turned, I was like, you know what? I really love having Tybo Rogers in there at this moment. I think that's a great call. And then of course, Dylan, Dylan Johnson came in and got the touchdown. Uh, Colt, what do you got? Yeah, he also had a play in space out on the flat there where he really just made a guy miss, and we've been missing that from our running backs group so badly. It was cool to see him uh, trust him uh, as much as they did because Dylan was out for a few minutes just kind of on the sideline, just catching his breath. Um, okay, so Leah said the offensive line, which is kind of a cop-out, which is, you know. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Before you to... go any farther, is is it Parker Brailsford? <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> And I'm going to tell you why one specific thing, because um, USC's big pole in the portal was Bear Alexander from Georgia. The guy's the guy is a prototypical NFL war daddy. And I think Parker effectively made him his bitch all night. <laughs> like a 270 pound two redshirt freshman, a 272 pound redshirt freshman completely controlled the game completely had that whole offensive line blocking the right people all night long. And, and the offensive line obviously is the tight ends group as well. There's a, there's a shot of Quentin Moore who absolutely taunted a dude after he laid him out. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> Westy and Culp and everybody did the job. But I mean, you know, I, I said this last night on spaces. I said in a group chat, I, I texted, Parker's dad after the game and like your son went into the Coliseum and was dominant 
Yeah. But he wasn't good. And, you know, like somebody, somebody in the spaces last night said, you know, Nick Harris. And I said, no offense to Nick. He's the NFL. He's in the NFL. He plays for Cleveland. He was a phenomenal Husky. Parker Brailsford is 10 times better at this point in their development than Nick Harris ever was. You're, it is not even close. You're absolutely right. Uh, when he came in at the guard position, he was kind of exposed and Alabama took advantage of him. Parker has been an aggressor since he got into the lineup. Parker's never been victimized in any game. You're absolutely right. And it was like that at practice last year when you talk to you're talking to Scott Huff and, 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 you know, when you go into the weight room there, they have their, their, their board that, that has everybody's pictures on it. And it's like starving, hungry, satisfied. And if you're in the starving group, it means that you just want it more than anybody. And he was in that group for the entire, the entirety of his, you know, from coming in spring, he's done the work. He's obviously one of the smartest dudes in the in the league. I looked on PFF today because everybody, you know, I said last night, I'm like, I think he should be first team, but the kid from Oregon's probably going to get it because, you know, he came into the season with all the hype. He's actually rated uh, higher than uh, Powers Johnson on PFF. He's he's just a stud, and we have him potentially for three more years. Yeah, fantastic, and and much deserved. Uh, coming in and having that leadership role and excelling at his age, at his spot in his development. Un- unbelievable. Defensive uh, highlights. Casey, go ahead. Um, No, you let somebody else go. Sorry. I was just sitting here drooling over Parker Brailsford. Uh, <laughs> his, his two I'll go. Okay, yeah. Leah. Obvious. I keep going first, but I mean, it's got to be ZTF, the defensive player of the game. Um, having that strip sack, having the emotions after that happened, it's got to be him. Um, super proud of him. He hasn't always gotten home on all of his guys all year, but that was really fun to see. I think Braylon Trice kept bringing constant pressure all uh, the game long. He didn't get home a lot, but the fact was that he made – he is a major reason as to why Caleb Williams was – mouth breathing and sweating as hard as he was he was constantly behind the line of scrimmage he was constantly in Caleb's lap and he was constantly a disruption to that offense and I I want to give Braylon Trice a huge shout out I'm gonna go Dom Hampton just because he was everywhere over the field he was stretching the sidelines he chased down Deuce Robinson after on that 68 yard pass that saved a touchdown he chased him down he picked up the slack on missed tackles he made plays he had I think three total all night that were for 10 yards or more and not even just on him but him making the tackle after instances like that and making sure that USC didn't have those big plays on his watch I think kept Washington's defense in the game. So a lot of good choices. Um, Obviously when you give up 47 points on on defense, you know, a lot of guys that really stand up. I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) I want to shout out the guys who were supporting like on the D line bandits and Sakai and, uh, and just those dudes who were getting the valuable reps to kind of like, just keep going after Caleb, just keep trying to wear him down to keep chasing him around. 
Um, you know, it's not easy to chase that dude around for an entire football game. And I think the the guys are adding valuable depth. And it was good to see. I I, I guess I heard, you know, because Sakai came off the field and I guess he was okay. He was jumping around in the stands. Oh, yeah. So that's awesome. And he's uh, he's played really hard this year. He's been a nice addition. So just and, and Maurice Himes had some big plays. Boy, obviously, you know, they, they combined for the, the big sack at the end. Just the guys who aren't the two that everybody knows about. Just yeah. the rotation did did their job. I really thought that Thaddeus Dixon was physical. And I think that Elijah Jackson's going through the growing pains of being the younger corner that has been targeted. Um, that being said, I think Thaddeus continues to show that he's a, he's a good tackler. He made some open field plays uh, in the game that put USC in third and longs which is really important going forward because we're not going to, as coach said, hopefully we're never going to see Caleb Williams again. And the way that he tackled in space, some really, really athletic players. I think those third and longs turn into punt situations when you're not playing the number one overall pick. And I love, I love his attitude. I love the way that he carries himself. Um, Sometimes he's over aggressive but I'll take that. I I really thought that he he had at points um, a really good day. Washington is fifth in the AOP. Jake, do you want to wax poetic a little bit? You already sort of talked about it. Where do you? I guess the question before we get to that is, where do you see the CFP committee putting Washington on Tuesday? They've done nothing but disappoint me. I see them putting Washington fifth. At the time you beat USC, they're ranked 20th. After you beat them, I don't think USC can get ranked again, even if they went out. They're Um, receiving votes still. I don't, I know. I don't think that they're going to be ranked by the end of the year, though, especially because I think that they're going to go down to Oregon next week and and get absolutely beat up. Yeah. Do you want to have that conversation? What Bucky Irving is going to do to that defense? No, I don't. There are uh, children listening to this podcast. <laughs> there's there's four on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, I think they're going to be fifth. I, I think that, in my opinion, they should leapfrog Florida State and Michigan. But I just don't see the, the committee doing it at all. I said Jen's bitter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. Yeah, I also think that it's crazy that they have given Oregon credit for playing a really tough schedule and like who's who's the tough game that they have played besides us what's their best win at utah utah was texas tech exactly coach and utah's going to come into seattle and then they're going to go to tucson in the next two weeks they very well may be zero and two then where's oregon's best win does it even exist so i don't know I, i i share jake's frustration i would love to see washington leapfrog at least florida state and maybe even michigan but i think that we're going to stay right where we are we aren't going to see any movement until somebody loses because that's just how it is. And Ohio state, Michigan, um, they're probably still scheming away to where if it's a really epic game that they're going to pull both of them and one of them with a one loss is going to get in. But we got to remember these, this show is, is, is for TV purposes is for ratings. You know, they're not going to do what they think is necessarily correct. Mm -hmm. If they're going to punish us for ASU and not punish 
Florida State for their, you know, two really unimpressive loss or wins, I should say. If they're not going to punish Michigan for playing absolutely nobody, if they're not going to punish Ohio State for looking ordinary against almost everybody, with their best win being Notre Dame, who obviously isn't that good, and it took Notre Dame having 10 guys on the field defensively on their winning score. Like, I'm sorry. Like, this isn't about logic. This is about ratings. I mean, the argument's going to come down to, oh, yeah, we had USC so high in the start of the season, but when Washington played them, they were in the 20th range. So, I mean, not a qual- they should have won by more. Not not a quality win is how it's going to come down to. And unfortunately, they're not having that conversation where they were so high on them going into the season. It's now become, oh, well, they're just not meeting expectations. So, Who else besides Washington has a top 10 win? Ohio State. And then where is that team now? Exactly. They're right next to 10. Uh, they're but, not but too our, far off. But our but, top 10 win, where is that team now? Exactly. So, so I read a pretty interesting tweet the, the, earlier today, and it kind of just shows kind of how bad the CFP committee has has functioned. the 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 strength of schedule of games played right now, the power index of your schedule played. Ohio State is one, Washington is two, and that should be the only thing that the CFP committee looks at. Who have you played? Who have you beaten? And if it's not Ohio State it's at one, it should be Washington. And and flip, you could flip flop those. And three. are they going to punish Ohio State for taking a while to get on track against Rutgers? No, Rutgers. No, no, no. Are no, they no, going? No. To, are they going to punish? A, they don't put Ohio State at one just to take them away from one the next week for struggling a little bit with Rutgers. Well, and giving it took Ohio FSU State a Michigan. while to get right against a two and four pit team. Like yeah. that absolutely should do the right thing. They should not have Michigan in the playoff. Michigan should not be uh, allowed to be in the playoff. That being said, their schedule is so bad that they should be fifth or sixth. Cause I argue Oregon even has a better Oregon. strength the struggle, a schedule than them. Um, you could say that about Penn state that'll take care of itself. I think at worst Washington should be th- they should be third or fourth, and I don't think but, I, I don't know why I I can't figure out the argument now that Washington went in, beat one of the top offenses, beat the the number one overall pick, and held them to zero points in the fourth quarter. You're gonna see Michigan this week for the first time, and it's at Penn State. It's in Happy Valley. And this is going to be Michigan's very first test. This is going to be the first football game that Michigan's played this year. Yeah, and, and they might not know all the signs either, which would be <laughs> devastating for them. Yeah, I, you're absolutely right. And T's so, and P's, dude. And so for Michigan to go in there, if Michigan lays it on Penn State, then sure, stay at three. I don't. I mean, I do care because I'm pissed that they did get caught cheating, and then they admitted guilt by firing the guy, but. But if if you're gonna allow Michigan to stay in the in the college football playoff talks, you put them in the top four after they beat Penn State. If they do beat Penn Please State, please and thank but you. Until that point, you have Washington now with three ranked wins because now Arizona's jumped into the conversation. Two when teams are ranked, Arizona wasn't ranked when you beat them. They are now, uh, that, and that win is looking better and better as the year. Well, goes. Oregon's win against Colorado is looking worse and worse. Yeah, 
It's true. Yeah. It's no, you're absolutely good though. But listen, you gotta you gotta the CFP television bonanza right now, you should look at it as like Mel Kuyper's very first mock draft of the season. It's yeah. not serious. We're just throwing something against the wall, get people to talk about it, get clicks, get, you know, the conversation going. It's going to be decided, obviously, you know, if we keep winning, we're in. The thing is, we don't have a margin for error because they're looking for a wart. They're looking for a reason. So if we do drop one of these games in the next three weeks, they're going to be like, see, we told you they yeah. weren't a top four team, but this yeah. nonsense because we've still got a resume that's better than most of theirs. But like, yeah. look, look at the the resume, look at the the marketable players that are on this roster. This is a perfect opportunity. Exactly what you're saying to introduce the country to Washington instead of, you know, ancillary like Pete Thamel's a big Washington guy. RG three is a big Washington guy, but they're still all so Uncle Phil centered when you get to Josh Pate and you get to ESPN at large. Um, I feel like they're missing an opportunity because if you watch the tape, they're clearly one of the best teams in the country. They beat the darling of the West in Oregon already. And then they just went and put on an offensive clinic at USC. Introduce the really country the to this. Right. Intr- like introduce this program to everybody. It, it's, it's crazy. And I hate that. And like, it's not. Pat McAfee is one of our big sycophants right now. Like he's on the Washington battle. Kalen Gore goes on his show all the time. Give us the prime time. I promise you we're going to be there at the end. Do it now. The thing about it is that it's not like we're new to the table. Washington isn't the new hot thing. Washington's been around for hundreds of years, a hundred years, and they've been good for a hundred years. They've had success nationally, historically for years and for them not to recognize that is an absolute shame. And it just irritates me that they're giving more and more of, of the proceeds to Oregon because of the Nike money. Yeah, we're not Minnesota. We're not Nebraska. We're not Miami. We have cycled back up and we're a national brand and they need to start treating it like that. And it helps now having an athletic director who's, it by all intents and purposes, is going to be at the forefront of making sure that happens. We have a coach that will capture the hearts of the nation when he is known. And I just feel like ESPN is bad at business. That's why they're losing a ton of money that they're not highlighting how good of a program this is right now. Go ahead, Kayla. few things, maybe hot take. I'm sure someone will get mad about it. But <laughs> Here even, we go, Kayla. Even if Tangent? Penn State, not quite. It, okay. I, it's, it's fairly close. Um, even if Penn State does beat Michigan, or even if Michigan does beat Penn State, I still think that Oregon should be ranked ahead of them. One hundred. I think that the talk and all this hype on Michigan, cool, yeah, you have J.J. McCarthy, but like what you've always talked about, they have not played anybody. Whereas Oregon looks good multiple weeks. And aside from their head coach making really poor decisions they could very well be undefeated right now and I my hot take is that I would rather play Caleb Williams and USC in the Pac-12 championship than Oregon again for sure 
to piggyback off that, I think that we're seeing now what the effect of not prioritizing our media presence has on perception of college football playoff. That goes back a decade and you're absolutely right. That's right. And this is why I'm so very, very thankful that we have Troy Dannon and not his predecessor, because if Oregon had beaten Washington, Oregon would probably be number two right now. And that is not based on strength of schedule. It was, it is based on brand recognition and watchability. And it's because they have put so much time and effort and dollars into their brand where Washington was like, no, we're not that kind of a program. We don't need to take that seriously. Actually you do. And this is where it, it burns you because the lack of seeing the block W on TV absolutely affects our ability to stay ranked. And if we, did a better job at that. I think we'd at least be sitting at three or four right now. Excellent point. And that's, I mean, also why I would rather play USC over Oregon. I could see if Washington went into the Pac-12 championship game undefeated, lost to Oregon. I fully believe that they would put Oregon in as four over Washington, mm-hmm. hands down. I got to tell you, I would love to play Oregon again. I You're the only one. I, I would. I would in like there is a national no, championship game. That's it. There is oh. no team that in this conference that I'm super nervous about. And yes, that's Harry the Husky talking, but I'm not. <laughs> but I, I really, I truly think Washington would win in a, in a rematch. The thing is, I don't care who we play. I just want to be undefeated and I want to get to the national championship game. Yes. Um. Because it's been, a, you know, it's just, it's been a while since we've been on that stage and it's about time that we get back. Uh, having said that, um, USC on a neutral field, if they couldn't beat us at home, yeah, I mean, is Caleb going to still, remember we talked about last week, how engaged is Caleb going to be at the end of the season? Like, is he even going to play in their bowl game? Is he going to play, you know, like if they get to that far, then yeah, maybe he's, he's still in it. The thing with Oregon that everybody's afraid of is that because we didn't put them away at home and because it came down to the final seconds, people think, oh, gosh, that's that's a tough game. You know what? Good. Because Oregon in that game, if we beat them again, they can't seat us four. Yeah. They have to put us at least at two. Yeah. That's a fact. And we execute a couple more plays. We win by multiple digits. Exactly. And now if you're in the top two, you get to play in Pasadena in the semifinal. Let's go, dude. That's what it's all about. So get another team like U of A or USC that kind of limps in and we beat them and everybody's like, so what? You already beat those guys. You're four. Yeah. Now we're going out east. Was it New Orleans for the other semifinal? I forgot. I know the the championship's in Houston. But the other semifinals in, in Pasadena and – um we would have an overwhelming presence there. Yeah. That's so, a- uh, Trevor, are we going to Pasadena? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> uh, why not, right? I can't think of a reason. I, I, yeah, I agree. Oh, boy. I've got uh, my mini tangent. Let's hear it. Set up the best road to a national championship title. Like who's seed one, who's seed two, who's seed three, who's seed four with Washington in the mix and who do they go through to get the championship? Like who do you want to see Washington matched up with in the long run? I know Uh, you just mentioned getting that fourth seed so that they can play in Pasadena, in Pasadena, but at that point, do you want to play Ohio State first? 
Is it the one four matchup in Pasadena or is it the two three? It's whoever's closest regionally. Yeah, the highest ranked gets the closest to them game. Well, so Washington's one, Pasadena. So, so we have to be two or one or two to play in Pasadena. Mm-hmm. That's not going to yeah, happen. It, well, hold on. Because if okay. Michigan, Ohio State, Oregon again, Pasadena as well. What? Because Georgia would go to New Orleans. So mm-hmm. if they're. Two or three, they're going to pass yeah, two, three. If if we are two or three and Georgia's one, we'll stay in Pasadena. Yeah, 100%. So, my dream matchups that I want to see, and I'll tell you why Georgia and Florida State, I don't care. Uh, and then I want Washington, Ohio State, and I want to see Rome shine and outshine Marvin Harrison, and I want to watch Michael Penix introduce the big 10 reintroduce himself to the big 10. Yeah. Uh, and that's, I, I would favor Washington by a uh, single digits. Um, and then we would see what happens in, in Houston. I want Against who though, would you feel more confident with Georgia or Florida state? It's going to be Georgia. Yeah. It doesn't, that's, that's it doesn't matter what I want on that one. <laughs> so, so, that's, I'm, I'm, so your national championship is against Georgia. Yeah. Okay, I'm flipping. I'm going conference championship is against Oregon, semifinals against Georgia to take down the defending national champions. So you have no excuses there. And the national championship game is then against you're in Ohio New Orleans, State. Though. Not if you're higher seed. What if it's a 2-3 matchup and we're the two? How is that going to happen with Georgia? Yeah. Uh-uh. They- Jake's like, I'll get there. Give me some time. Come back to me. Who are they going to drop one to? I don't know. I don't care. If that happens, then Bama and them are going to be in the draft. Just a dream scenario, and you guys are just sitting here pooping. This is a wet blanket. This is my dream. Get out of it. (laughs) Guys, go home. Hey, out of, out of, uh, this is going to sound really bad, and it's going to sound stupid. And I say some things that are occasionally not intelligent. Top what I just said. Out of Georgia and Florida State, I think Florida State is a matchup problem, like kind of like USC with with their quarterback and how he can break the pocket. And um, those two ginormous, talented NFL wide receivers and Johnny Wilson and Kent Coleman, um, they're a problem. And, and they're also got a really strong running game. So our defense is going to be uh, tested. Um, I think their defense is OK. Florida State's defense is OK. I don't th- I don't worry about scoring on people. I think Georgia, especially if Brock Bowers is not 100. percent I I kind of like. I think in the trenches um, they have it. They have an advantage up front on their offense. I think their offensive line is still really good, and I still think they can run the ball. But I'm not afraid of their passing game. Okay, like what it. about what about you? I I think that what however we get to a championship game, and if we get there, and if we win, I'm going to be happy. Obviously, no matter what. But if Washington doesn't have to go through Georgia, Oregon will always say, well, you didn't have to be the defending champs. So I I really want for Georgia to be on our path to getting the championship, whether that's in the semifinal or in the championship game. And as Jake said, I would really like to have a showcase, a reintroduction of Michael Penix against the Big Ten. And I really want them to, to see who the best wide receiver is in the country and who the best quarterback is. So that would be my preference. I don't really care so much if it's Michigan or Ohio State. I don't think we're going to face, I don't think Florida State's going to make it to the championship game, but I do think that we need to go through Georgia to 
for just for argument purposes, in case Oregon ever delegitimizes what we do, we can say that we actually beat them and Oregon couldn't. I just want to be able to win a national championship this year. So all of the Oregon fans who have been, you know, recycling that whole, you never played on a field for a national championship argument goes away. And then they could just go back to recruiting rankings. Right. I mean, the only, I made that stat graph of like, they don't count any championship that was either shared or not played for, which basically means that anything pre 2003 doesn't count. So you're taking away all championships from Notre Dame, Michigan, Nebraska, folks that we consider blue bloods. Also Oregon can feel like they're on the same playing field as everybody else. And they're just not. So let's get a national championship and let, and let's break duck Twitter. I can't wait. I think perfect, which obviously I'd be sad if Michigan doesn't really face any penalties with what's going on right now, but Georgia one, Ohio state four, say they lose to Michigan, but they still let a one loss Ohio state in Washington two, Michigan three, us beating Michigan and then beating Ohio state in the championship, I think would be beautiful. I don't, I think there's too many good teams this year to allow in a four playoff conference, you know, uh, college football playoff to allow two teams from the Big Ten, especially when one of those teams is going find to make a way. the, find the a conference way. championship. It, either Ohio State or Michigan's not going to make the conference championship. And, and I think that immediately eliminates them unless teams start dropping games drastically, which I don't see. I don't see Washington and I don't see Georgia. And I especially don't see Florida State dropping games drastically now. So if you don't, if you're a one-loss team and you don't make your college your conference championship, I just don't see the committee putting them in front of an undefeated or a one-loss conference champion. I'm gonna end it. Bama's with done this. it. I'm gonna end it with this nightmare scenario for ESPN. You have one four spot available, and you have a one-loss Oregon and a one-loss Alabama you can put oh, in there. Oh, no. They oh, would, no. Do you think oh, they would no. just can't? Do you think they just make it a five-team playoff just because? They so, would literally be like, so emergency, we're having a play-in game? <laughs> I uh, So in this scenario, neither one of them are making their conference championship game. Though. I know, and that's as I was saying it, I was like, okay, maybe, you know, whatever. But You guys live in a fantasy land. <laughs> Trevor, Trevor does for sure. You gotta oh, love those tangents. They bring us crazy places. I, I want to go back to the defeating both Michigan and Ohio State in the playoff. And then next year, just kind of that would be like if Michigan and Ohio State were both next door neighbors, and in broad daylight, you came down the street with a baseball bat in the back of your buddy's truck, bashed both their mailboxes, and then showed up later for a Christmas party. <laughs> Say who did us, that? That would be us going to the Big Ten next year. Be like, hey guys, what's up? <laughs> Let's go. Twelve thirty. We got the we got the prime time as USC Oregon got moved to 7:30 huge game it's the dogs versus the pig farmers until then Trevor Mueller Jake Grant coach V UW Kayla Olin go dogs go dogs go dogs UW continues the tradition of winning at USC causing them to fire a coach go dogs <laughs>